An elegant weapon for a more civilized age. Freewheeling kids. Uh, welcome. It's this easy. It's this easy now, Jack. Um, neat. Yeah, it's neato that it's uh, episode 402 of An Elegant Weapon. Uh, my name's Jay. Jay Clark, I'm your host, and hanging out tonight with me is a dear old friend. It's been far too long since he's been on the show. Granted, for a while, I haven't been even doing the show, but now that the show is back, it's very appropriate that Jay's back. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, artist for Disney, for Marvel, for uh, IDW, for uh, the Henson Company. It's Jay Fosgit. Yay! Yay! Ooh, a Garfield pen cap? Yeah, I put it on my stylus. <laughs> that's, that's nice. You Welcome know, back, Jay. It's been too long, I, man. I'm an adult. I have toys. <laughs> you know, so it's anyway. funny. You just held up that rancor there. And yeah. uh, it reminded me of a discussion I had on the weekend. I went mad Christmas shopping downtown yeah. uh, with our mutual friend, Mr. Sam Noir. Nice. And uh, yeah, so we we went tripping around Toronto to a bunch of different uh, shops. A few of your favorites uh, is a BMG, BMV, BMV, uh, mega bookstore with amazing stuff. We went Love to uh, a few toy stores. We went to this new toy store that he introduced me to. It's not a new toy store, but it's new to me. Um, and it's called Tree Hoy, uh, Tree Hoys, Tree House Toys and Collectibles. I think I saw him post pictures. Yeah, he probably did because, you know, that's what Sam does. And uh, (laughs) so it looks neat from the outside. It's really nice. It's a tiny little shop. It's not huge. But the thing about this shop was the quality of merchandise. Like these guys Mm -hmm. were serious. This wasn't just any kind of, you know, little like vintage toy shop. These guys were, were serious about what they were collecting in there. Every piece, like not a paint chip, not a faded like toe not a missing little bit of the hair on all their, all their figures of everything. It was really, these are for collectors. Oh yeah. Yeah. In fact, um, if any like high end collectors are listening, check out Treehouse toys and collectibles because they had some insane, insane stuff Uh, completes. They have a he-man that's even got its battle ax. Oh yeah. And I think it was like 120 bucks and I was like, I can't, I'm not shopping for me. That's not a bad price. I tell you really good. So anyways, uh, the Rancor, they had this amazing Rancor there. And uh, I, I I couldn't figure out which one it was because it was loose out of the box. And that reminded me how many actual Rancors have been made through the toy lines. I couldn't even years. say. I had to research to figure out which one I wanted. Right? I'd say there's at least six that have been like put out through different collections. Probably This one more. is, the one I got is from the 98 uh, collection. And I believe it came with the um, the handler, the little fat guy. Right, right. But I bought this after Mr. Jay Shimko. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, so this was his kids. <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> want me to just give it to you? I'm like, no, it's your kids. And he was like, well, <laughs> let me see if he'll sell it. And then he asked his son, he goes, do you want to sell your Rancor to Jay? And he's like, I don't care. And he goes, how much do you want? And the kid said, 10 bucks. And I'm like, I'll give you 30. So that's sweet of you to up it for him. <laughs> well, you know, online, even out of the box, it was going for minimum 70. Oh, really? It's worth that much? It's crazy. All over, all over eBay. Uh, it's yeah, I was checking it out, but it's to me, it looks the most like the, you know, from the movie. 
It's uh, funny you bring up Jay Shimko, though, because I've been actually seeing a lot of him um, being the TikTok fanatic that I am. He's showing up on my timeline all the time. Do you see his account on there? He popped in. I did a, a live on TikTok the other day that he popped in. So it's good to see Shimko. I haven't seen him live in years, so yeah. obviously. So uh, it's he, cool to see that. He bought a 3D printer and is making uh, right? yeah. a Bodhi. Oh, it's it's not looking half bad. I mean, like, it's not the level of that sculpture you guys got me some years back. You remember right, that? Right. It's oh, not yeah. quite that level, but it looks like a functioning toy. So that's uh, crazy. I wonder if you can take, hi. like, the sculpture and, like, analyze it and have it, like, reprint, like, in he, 3D. He probably could, but I don't trust him. With, I don't trust anybody with it. <laughs> no, I hope it was. You know, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. how about I'm not going to be passing that around. Your TikTok is amazing. Your TikTok is oh, so much fun. Kind. I hope people are seeing it. No, but it's it's one thing to see you draw. People always enjoy seeing you draw, but uh, and you're just naturally a fast drawer without time lapse and stuff. But you're doing all that crazy kind of fun stuff where people can see, you know, your your art from beginning to end within like a minute, and it's it's fun because it's almost look it's almost like animation coming to life when you're watching. It looks your like stuff. it, doesn't it? Right? Um, so for a long time, you were able to do that on the uh, the iPad Pro. You know, all our friends that draw on the iPad Pro, they've yeah, been yeah. able to do time lapses. And I use a Cintiq, and Cintiq didn't have that capability until. So I draw on a program called Clip Studio Paint Pro. And mm. they just, the new version that I bought has the ability to record. And so I've been doing a lot of those uh, throughout COVID because that's when it first hit. Right. Like, you know, because I bought a new computer and then I got a new program. And anyway, so that was why I started doing TikTok. I'm like, well, now I can you know, broadcast uh, process videos of my art. Absolutely. So, You're also doing I like when you do the other TikTok uh, accounts, too, because there are a bunch of people that I follow, too, and certain friends, uh, mutual friends yeah. that we've had. That's always well, fun. It's funny because I started doing that. Like I went on the TikTok thinking, oh, this will be like Facebook. I'm just going to make friends not realizing that it's really a business and people are on there for monetary and status reasons. And I'm like, yeah, I just want to make pals. I don't give a crap. It's a weird beast, man. You can't really call it social media, right? It's, no. it's, it's not very social. I mean, it's social in the way that you can interact a lot in the comments with the creators, but you know, from my understanding, it's like TikTok started as this app for people to be able to lip sync and make just fun little videos and do their That's thing. That's how I discovered it. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess the way that I don't know how they do the algorithm algorithms, but it's just if you catch the right wave, anybody can get huge. It's just like the Follow views are, the, the trends. Yeah, the trends and the but I mean even some people like will just put the stupidest thing and you see them after like okay, I didn't expect that to get a hundred thousand right. views or whatever right it's like some little kid says fuck and suddenly you've got a million followers <laughs> a lot of people make those jokes you know they take all the time making these big extensive you know high production tiktok videos and then their dog makes a funny sound and gets the million views right? that's right you know that takes and us back to like america's funniest videos days when just getting hit in the balls was, was funny enough yeah yeah no seriously it 
And that's cool. You know, I mean, if that's what it takes, but it just sucks because I've made so many great friends on Facebook. And then a lot of people are kind of getting away from Facebook because they're like, oh, it's too much politics or whatever. And I'm like, well, you're on TikTok now and it doesn't get much more political than TikTok. (laughs) People are getting like there's one guy I follow on there who (laughs) just got what's the term where someone phones in a fake gun threat or something to his house. Swatted. Yeah. He just got swatted. His name was uh, that Dinesh guy. Did, did um, they swatted Dinesh really? yesterday? <laughs> Holy shit! Really? It showed like state troopers on his lawn talking to him. Wow. And then the day before that, they swatted another woman who's friends with Dinesh, who has a similar platform, very right. left leaning, and and um, yeah, they swatted her house as well, saying that she was going to go on a firing spree somewhere. Wow. That's crazy. He's huge, right? I mean, he's he's huge on TikTok. Top ladder TikTok. Yeah, and he just came out of that whole thing too with uh, Modern Warrior and the other guy, the the hit guy who was all getting canceled because of the whole thing. I don't know. It was a big giant just (laughs) TikTok drama. Crazy Mother Runner is in on. You know, she's one of those. Tizzy Ent and all those. Tizzy Ent. He follows me. Tizzy Ent. Oh, really? And old man Murphy, they follow me. Oh, that's fun. Um, but yeah, Tom yeah. Powell Jr. But uh, I just I enjoy it. I, I mean, I all day yesterday, like I said, I was flat on my back because of back problems. I didn't even turn on the TV. I'm just dinking around on my sure, yeah, on TikTok yeah. all well, day. Well, the thing is, it's so there's so much variety. Like you can be crying, learning something, laughing, and getting angry all within six minutes watching three different videos. Right? It's mm-hmm. like really is. It's not like I try to describe it to people and it's not like a YouTube and it's not like a, like a Instagram. It's, it's a weird thing to describe where it's, it's the world. I mean, a lot of it's not real, but no, a lot of it's staged. It's when you give a chance for everybody to be seen, this is kind of what happens. Yeah. You know, and then there's creators and there's just users and it's, uh, it's a complicated, like we were saying, algorithm to figure out, but it really is brilliant. There's things oh. I've learned on TikTok that, uh, you know, I never thought I'd know and just interesting facts and history. It really and science is. And, oh, yeah. my. You know, the, just the storytellers on there I love. Like, there's this one lady, I don't know the name of her account, but she comes on and talks about Appalachian folklore. And it's fascinating. And she has that accent and she's such a great storyteller. And she plays this kind of creepy um uh 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 bluegrassy kind of music in the right, background right. yeah anyway i'm fascinated by the story i mean that's like listening to npr for me you know and I right just, right i love that but you know every now and again i get sucked in by the karen videos <laughs> you can't talk crazy to, crazy you karen deny. videos it's like <laughs> oh this old lady just threw a shopping cart at a black guy because she is stupid <laughs> anyway uh, totally. Um, I'm watch this segue. I'm going to create. There is also a creator named Straw Hat Goofy on TikTok, who is basically the big movie guy on TikTok, and it's fun to watch him have gone to basically just you know this brand new creator who's got his own job and wife and kids and all this, and his shit blew up to the point where he got invited to the Spider-Man premiere to be on the red carpet interviewing people. Oh, I didn't and, know that. Kind of host the thing, yeah. So it's cool to see people's like careers explode from nothing to this because of something like TikTok and they get these experiences um and that segues into talking about marvel 
Uh, and the, you know what? I don't even know if we can call it the MCU anymore because it's like the MC slash TVU, right? So you're right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just, it's almost just the MU again. What do you got? What are you doing there? I see you something. What are you I just, this is off topic, but I, I don't think you've seen this yet. <laughs> this is Fozzie Fraggle. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So, a puppet builder friend of mine from Ottawa named Matt Fickner, he's worked in television productions, movie productions, and he built this for me a few months ago. Oh, my so, goodness. Yeah. Anyway, that's beautiful. I love the purple goatee. Isn't that great? <laughs> this little shirt so, is so you too. I know, right? This used to be his son's shirt. Uh, okay. He was little, and he, you know, <laughs> look, he, I got sneakers too. Oh, little, yeah. little chucks. He's adorable. Any, anyway, is, it, uh, is is Christy working on Fraggles? Um, or someone you know? She, I can say it now. Yes, she she did. She was. Uh, a puppet wrangler uh, for Fraggle Rock. Oh, that's uh, awesome. When the production was in uh, Saskatchewan. Okay, cool. In that in that vicinity, Alberta. I'm sorry, Alberta. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I know. And she, <laughs> Not and the so, place you've wanted to be in the past while. <laughs> no, well, that's the crazy thing is like, you know, in the 80s, Fraggle Rock was produced in Toronto. And yep. I think they just got a better tax break in Alberta. So they moved production there. And she completely packed up her entire life and drove a truck across the, your country and lived out of it for like, I don't know, over six months working wow. on this production. Well, you chase your dreams, right? Sometimes you literally. Yeah. yeah. And she <laughs> said it was great, a great experience. And my buddy, James uh, Voidel, who built my Tuck Bodkins puppet. I don't know if you've seen Tuck or not. Um, oh, yeah. 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 So uh, he actually helped build the the Fraggles in New Jersey where he lives, you know, did that remotely or, or the New York workshop. And then they, you know, ship them out to Alberta. It's cool that you happen to know like two completely distinct people in two different countries and two different areas who end up working on the same thing that you're in love with that, you know, both of them. That's it's, it's, it's nuts. Neat, Every eh? now and, you know, like a, one of my really good friends, uh, Kirk Thatcher wrote and directed the, uh, Muppet uh, Haunted Mansion special that was just... Oh, I like, haven't seen it yet. Is it good? It's very good. Okay. Very good. That. It's... it's You just got to see it. You have Disney Plus, right? Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, at any like rate, My yeah. Disney Plus just uh, just renewed the other day. Mine, it, too. It ain't that first year special price anymore. I'll no. tell you that much, right? <laughs> took a little jump, but that's the only streaming I do, so I don't care. But Yeah, that's the thing. The first thing I thought of when uh, I saw the increase and I was like, oh, well, this is the way. Because when am I, I going to not watch The Mandalorian alone? Right? We are getting worthwhile <laughs> content. Oh, it's God, not, yeah. You yeah. know, but speaking of which you brought up before and asked me if I had seen the finale of Hawkeye. So, kids, before we get into these crazy conversations, realize that this is a spoilerific episode and uh, we'll be talking freely about all said subjects such as Hawkeye and uh, Spider-Man. Uh, no way home. Hawkeye. Yes, I did see the finale. I loved it. Give me your uh, overview thoughts of the whole series. My overview thoughts of the whole series is that. This is my favorite uh, MCU TV series. Right. Um, because for the first time, it didn't have to be something on a global or, or galaxy-wide concern. 
you know, like something's going to just destroy our reality. Instead, it was this little isolated, hey, um, this this gang, the tracksuit mafia are are coming after, you know, so and so. And it's it's a much more human grounded level. And it felt like the Daredevil TV series. Yeah. Yeah. And that's I love that. I love that. I love that. I mean, I like the big operatic, uh, you know, universe shattering stuff. But this was much more what I like, you know, relatable, Mm -hmm. silly. It allows for sillier moments that we can all relate to. I didn't expect the show to be so silly. And uh, I thought it was going to be fun in a diehardy sort of way, the way the trailers kind of set it up. But I didn't think that it would be, uh, you know, so over the top fun because it was a lot of fun. Kate Bishop is just a fantastic character to follow. I mean, never mind her as an actress. She's just mesmerizing to watch you know she mm-hmm. just owns the screen and then you she's a fantastic she almost won an oscar for her first movie role yeah it was true grit right mm-hmm. yeah she was amazing and uh is Haley stanfield yes i say that right yeah um because i always say holly for some reason anyways yeah she was amazing she's so enthralling you can't take your eyes off her and jeremy renner i've always been like eh, take him or leave him He's never a huge fan. He always just has his his resting face is just so sad and grumpy to me. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, and then and then he's playing Hawkeye, who is kind of you know he's never been like you know a top tier Avenger popular guy that I was ever. But he was one of the first Avengers. Absolutely was, and uh, you know, so I never latched on to that, so I wasn't sure what I would think about this series. And then seeing the trailers, I was like, okay, they're bringing it down a level where it's more, you know, realistic. Yet it's uh, it it looks a little fun to be kind of a diehardy Christmas kind of adventure. But I didn't expect it to be this much fun because it was it was just a blast through and through. And they unexpectedly were able to jam pack so much into an episode without actually yeah. really doing too much. Like it seemed like all this mystery going on, yet it was actually a pretty smooth, you know, throughway. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there were so many elements to it, you know, and it did tie to some of the previously released series or movies. It it, it talked uh, about the blip. Um, is that what they're calling it? The blip when people yeah, they just call it the blip now. Yeah, yeah. So it, it addressed that, but it didn't become like the whole thing. And I don't know. I I love how. Okay, well, for example, let's let's talk characters for a second. So from the very beginning of the the show, we were introduced to a character who was kind of this smarmy guy who ends up marrying Kate Bishop's mom. Right. Okay, her mom had been single for a number of years because her dad was killed during the Chitari invasion. And anyway, her mom ends up with this kind of weird guy. And you're like, hmm, he's going to be a bad guy. Yeah. And and you're paying attention to that. And then there's all these mysterious things that happen. And and honestly, I know he was modeled off the old Marvel villain, the swordsman, who in the comics was Hawkeye's mentor. Right. Um, It was Jacques. Duchesne or whatever and then something like Jack that. yeah 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 and so I'm like okay well he has to be a villain right not so much <laughs> yeah yeah and I love that because the whole series you're like yeah this is going to turn around he's going to become the swordsman and blah 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 and then the very last episode again spoilers 
He's just this fun character. Right? <laughs> like, How happy did that make you? I was oh my, so happy. I love that. I yeah. love that. So yeah. anyway, yeah. I was like, this opens that up to so much more than this just being yet another villain who's actually got some interesting stuff going on, maybe, yeah. that it could have been a throwaway and he just ends up this bad guy who gets beaten in the end. But no, now it opens it up to where maybe he becomes Kate Bishop's, you know, part mentor part of the time. And exactly. he ends up teaching Murrow so much. And mm-hmm. then, you know, so he becomes kind of her guy in the chair or her Obi-Wan for, you know, the yeah. future or for, you know, her old, uh, another movie or show, or I thought I was so happy. I was like, are we really doing this? Are we making what? it that he was cool? Yes. Like what a I great spin. That was a great spin. And he yeah. was still pretty badass. He just, he shows up at the party. He's got a sword. He's wearing a suit. And he's got a sword for no yeah. reason. <laughs> yeah. It's just, hanging off <laughs> just like i had this laying around the house I'd wear it. Yeah. <laughs> and he was so chill just uh, little, this is know, my the... evening saber <laughs> yeah right this is my smoking saber. My formal saber i guess it would have been oh my god it was so funny and um and the, the strange mom... other twist yeah. oh sorry that i i don't oh, know yeah we gotta her mother who you know was kind of set up to not be bad and you're not sure and then she does end up being you know having worked with the mafia and stuff but what i didn't expect them to do was to have her turn on kingpin like that yeah and kind of want out and the daughter be the drawing of the line that kind of makes her more of an interesting character than just a flat-out evil villain do you know what i mean yes and i love that i love that element Now, you are much more, I mean, I don't know how absorbed you are into recent Marvel comics, way more than I am. So I don't know what the connections are as far as the comics go. So all this is new to me. So if Kate Bishop's mom was any, it was like this in the comics, I never knew that. Well, it was the dad in the comics. Yeah. It was her dad who ended up being the one i'm pretty sure um because i haven't read any of these runs but i have done a little research and curiosity and uh you know gotta love them youtube vids that actually give you the timelines of the comics and what happened it's just fun to compare but yeah if i'm if i'm if i'm thinking correctly it was actually her dad who was the one who worked with the mafia and everything and uh had to deal with it and they basically just switched it out for mom I'm glad they did. And that's a great actress. I mean, she was. Oh, Vera Famiglia. She's amazing. She's been in so much cool stuff. Yeah. Over the, I mean, she was uh, in the Godzilla movies. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and she was kind of the same type in a way. Remember she ended up not making the right choices. Right. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Conflicted, you know, cause wasn't Millie Bobby Brown, her daughter. She was. And yeah. And ended up having to kind of go a gangster and stuff for what she was pulling there. Right. Yeah. 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 That wasn't cool. So, yes, the Kingpin. Um, my goodness, that's an exciting addition to the, the, the entire universe. So um, it's weird how they did this. And I'm wondering how much they, they plan this. So, again, spoilers, but I got to bring Spider-Man into this a little bit because they introduce earlier in the Hawkeye series and they talk about the uncle. And they give us a flash of the big hand with the ring. And it sounds just like D'Onofrio. So everybody's like, all right, Kingpin's coming in as he should. That's a comic accurate thing that he was like her kind of, you know, adopted uncle and stuff. Um, so we we we've, we kind of get that tease and everyone's like, okay, D'Onofrio. Then before today's episode airs, you get Spider-Man No Way Home being released, which features Matt Murdock as Daredevil. 
And I loved how just quickly and nonchalantly they got that out of the way. That was beautiful. Right. So in a way it was like three teases and three releases at once. Cause we saw Kingpin, then we saw Matt Murdoch and now we've seen Kingpin and it was brilliant the way they, they're yeah. melding all this movie and TV action together. That's what I'm saying. Is it even the MCU anymore? Right. It's like this whole new hybrid beast of TV shows and cartoons. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't even know if we'll end up changing. They, they should, they should have a more blanket name to combine the TV shows and the movies, but I'm glad that they're all on the same page now. And the Matt Murdock scene in Spider-Man, total chef's kiss moment. Oh my God, that was so cool. Um, Now seeing the Kingpin, finally, it felt like, okay, this is still the Kingpin from the Daredevil TV series that Netflix had for a number of years, which I love. Mm -hmm. So it it feels like Marvel's going to cherry pick the best, um, elements at least thematically from that series and it sounds like they're bringing back the whole cast oh really yes so foggy nelson karen page they're all coming back as far as i know which will be funny if we ever see foggy nelson as we saw matt murdoch interacting with john favreau who i know right who played uh foggy nelson Nelson in the daredevil movie right with ben affleck it's getting trippy man um but what i liked that they did with kingpin is they seem to have upped him a bit for the show and now that he's in the mcu right a lot stronger a lot more comic booky he ripped the the door off the car (laughs) but even what i love so even before they did any of that the one thing they did which i know they didn't do in the daredevil series and i thought this was great for one they shot everything from the floor up whenever they yeah, had Kingpin in the scene, so he looked that much bigger. Yeah, and the Foley artists, the sound effects guys, put in these stomps when he's walking. Right, yeah. and I'm like, this is some Jurassic Park shit right here. The cane helps awesome. too. Yeah, because he never had that in the series, eh? Yeah, you must be in, right. You must be in right. In the series, yeah. he never used a cane, not once. And mm-hmm. uh, it's cool that they added that little tidbit just to make him that little bit more comic book accurate, right? Um, which is a lot of the basis of what this show did i mean i know it was based a lot on matt fraction's run and uh you know which just kind of just gave it a little bit more of comic book a comic book base i guess yeah you know because like he's always been a hard nut to crack hawkeye in a way right like he's one of those characters that will never really be fully this is accurate as you're gonna get or actually i thought age of ultron was as accurate as you were gonna get because his Mm. suit was just like the comic minus the mask where he You're even right. had the little right. flap coming out, right? He had like the little like skirty. Yeah. Part the to little it. toga thingy. Yeah. yeah. So if you'd added that mask in, in Age of Ultron, he would have looked just the thing. But I mean, you, you can't put that kind of silly mask on him in any situation. You're just. I, yeah. And I never gave a crap about Hawkeye as a character. I just didn't. Me I'm either, like, man. Yeah. You know, however, you know, Jeremy Renner is an incredible actor. Um, yeah. God, what's. Oh, I can't think of the This movie show now. is like his first chance to actually really play this character. Well, yeah, they get, it's because yeah. he got this. The show was about him, so he could get the screen time he deserves. Yeah. For yeah. one. But, you know, the human element that he bought. I mean, this TV show made him the most interesting. Like prior to that, his most interesting moments, whereas Ronan and everything after that, where he had to say goodbye to Natasha and that heart wrenching scene in the movie and everything. 
But seeing him in this whole series and how much of a family man he is and how heartbroken he is over the things he's done, over losing Natasha, um, I thought he just killed it. And suddenly I give a shit about Hawkeye. And that's because right? of Jeremy Renner. Yeah. yeah. He played a very... Uh... He played a very humbled performance in this. He played a mm-hmm. Hawkeye who's just been through the ringer. He's got the PST, you know, PTSD going on. And, you know, it didn't make him angrier. Like, I just love the way he did dealt with it because he, yeah. he, he did deal with it. Right. And the scene when he's saying sorry to Natasha at the bridge for at the memoriam and stuff like this. Not not only did this show make me care about Hawkeye for the first time, this show made me give a shit about Black Widow. And she yeah, wasn't right. even in it. Like this you're, made me yeah. care about Natasha more than anything else to do with her. The only two times I really cared about Natasha, you know, even excluding when she died, the scenes that really got me were that scene with Jeremy Renner. And then in the beginning of Endgame, when she is kind of running Avengers stuff and trying to hold it all together, I actually kind of felt her stress in that moment. She did a pretty yeah. good job of like showing the, the never give up. We got to keep moving, even though it's hopeless kind of thing. Right. So I definitely, I you picked saw up a movie, the, right? I did, which was fun. Oh, I love, but it. it didn't really dive like, you know, super deep into all that kind of stuff that had been built up. Right. It was just kind of addressing her past and her coming around to the good side and then having to deal with the family. Red guardian was great. Oh my God. If yeah. Travis McIntyre was a superhero. I'm telling you. <laughs> oh yeah so i'm very happy with the show i'm very happy with how like you know they were able to wrap these episodes up like even last episode i was like how are they gonna wrap all this up in a finale right and then they managed to do it well and the scene between uh yelena and uh clint was very good Mm -hmm. you know i love her i love how he just took a beating which i kind of have expected you know he just let her beat on until she kind of you know got it out a little but that was good that was great um I got to tell you, and I'm so happy with what the series has become in its entirety. But if this series had been nothing more than Hawkeye LARPing, I would have been (laughs) totally happy because that was my favorite moment in the whole series. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was precious. You know, I loved him and he he and his performance brought me brought him, you know, a lot more love for me. But I just can't get over Kate Bishop, man. She could be my favorite Marvel character on screen at this point. Like she's just so watchable and so she is. But Yelena's Yelena's gonna steal. People are in love with that, in. eh? Like, she's hilarious. Her yeah. comedy chops are like nothing else. Yeah, I like the two of them together though. It was fun the fight yeah. they had in the end. You know what I mean? When they're when she, when complimenting she punches her, her. <laughs> she punches her. She goes, "What was that?" <laughs> yeah. I, I loved all the sweet moments he gave to Kate, though, when he finally says, we are partners and I'm not going anywhere. And you just see that look in her face where she's just like, you know, for the first time, so accepted as her. Yeah, you know, it's just a beautiful moment for her. Right. Well, he was her mentor before. Well, before he ever knew who she was. I love that scene. That very first scene when she's a little girl and she sees yep. him swinging in the thing and makes it all look epic. And that was dope. You know, um, one last thing to touch on for this episode before we get into some spidey action was the mid credit scene. Yes. How <laughs> so awesome. Bad. So bad. I, I mean, it was corny as 
as Kansas, but God, was that fun. Oh, it's fun that they did that. But I kept thinking to myself, even an actual Broadway play, if they had tried, this would be better quality than the one they're showing us right now. You know what I mean? Oh. It's almost like a rent level Avengers. <laughs> oh, so great. Musical. I can do this all day. Yeah. I love how it's just the happy holidays. Here's our gift to you. An actual yeah. scene from the mu- musical. Beautiful. So wonderful show. Big success. Everybody's loved it. It's going to lead into more stuff. Uh, it seems like everybody's loved everything so far. You know, well, it's basically what does that give us? It gives us WandaVision, uh, what uh, if? Falcon and Winter Soldier, uh, What If, and now Hawkeye. So we're we're four series in already, um, and Mi- a lot of beautiful, yeah. fun stuff is rolling along. And you know what? Ms. This- Marvel comes out next, by the way. Well, I like that the shows have been this interesting bridge between wrapping stuff up and and moving on with the new stuff. Mm-hmm. you know where the it's movies bridge, yeah. the movies are kind of trying to you know keep the new stuff like you know actually i shouldn't even say that because black widow was a pure like you know prequel almost type thing um but uh spider-man no way home good lord almighty how does a movie possibly live up to the hype that this movie did and i'll tell you how it did it you know, the massive push for no spoilers, especially for this movie. The cool thing is about this movie is what the actual spoiler was. The spoiler for this movie is that all the rumors were true. Right. Not one of them was was wrong. Uh, pretty mm-hmm. much every damn thing we heard might happen in this movie happened. And that is the spoiler within itself. And I got, there was nothing that happened really that I didn't expect. And there was one thing those things were compounded on heavily. What did you not expect? The one thing that happened that I did not see coming. And I guess I get so absorbed in the movies that I take everything at face value. And at no point did I expect Aunt May to get killed. Good point. You know, because I was curious, you know how it almost seemed like, uh, you know, that was like his version of the Uncle Ben thing that the other he two needed Spider-Man. his Uncle Ben moment. So that was perfect. But what I don't get was where didn't he have that? Wasn't there an Uncle Ben? They never once mentioned in any of his, the when hmm. he in the first movie or no, in the second when he's going to school, he pulls out like a case thing and it's got the initials BP on it. And that's I think, then that's as far as it went. But. And that is as far as it went. So I don't know, like, you know, they didn't really explain anything. How we didn't even know he actually got bit by a spider till they mentioned it in this movie, right? This this was the first time, to my understanding. I'm I'm gonna say yes, this was the first time, at least in the movies, that Spider-Man was given the with great power comes great responsibility speech with the person knowing he's Spider-Man. Right, right, yeah. Every other true. time, it was just a metaphor for growing up. And Aunt right. May was so invested. I mean, she was his agent, practically. Right. And God, yeah. Yeah. that killed me. I got so choked up. In it the was sad the I way that she did it, especially with that performance where they kind of dragged it out and you weren't sure. And she's like, I'm OK, OK. Oh, and then she like goes down. Yeah. And, Psych. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that moment is it's actually kind of cool because I think that moment allowed Tom Holland to have his truest Andrew Garfield moment 
Whereas all of all those moments and all the deaths in, in these movies that happen and people get sad, the amazing Spider-Man, when, when Martin Sheen died and that Ben Parker died, Andrew Garfield gave a gut like wrenched performance like that. He, I cried. I remember specifically crying when that happened because of how, how in in such torment Andrew Garfield was over that moment. Like that was my favorite Spider-Man performance moment of anything to do with Spider-Man. And uh, you know, Tom Holland came pretty close over the death of Aunt May. And oh my uh, God. Yeah. yeah, It was, you know, that kid can emote too. Right. So Um, yeah, yeah. definitely an interesting thing. Yeah. I didn't expect that either, to be honest. You're right. They, they threw that in there and, uh, but it was a great crux. It was a great emotional crux. And so here's something that I didn't predict, but a friend of mine predicted she had predicted because you saw in the trailer that MJ has fallen and Peter is going after you saw that in the trailer. And my friend predicted that he wasn't going to make it, but Andrew Garfield was going to have his moment of redemption and be the one that saves her. That was a rumor. I'd heard that a few times myself. And I'm so glad they did. That felt like such a a sense of completion for his art. Oh, the look on his face when he was standing there and she's like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah. 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 You know? Oh, absolutely. So all the rumors, um, Let's get the first one out of the way. Very early in the movie, it's as you see. And uh, Spider-Man, everybody knows that he's Spider-Man. He's having to go through all this shit. um, And he needs a lawyer. And that lawyer is, in fact, Matt Murdock, who comes to their apartment to visit with them. And it is, in fact, Charlie Cox. And it's a wonderful scene. I did not expect him to get to show off any daredevilness. I really didn't, yeah. but they threw yeah. a brick. A brick comes flying through the window and he backhand catches it in front of <laughs> Peter's face. And you yeah. see the look on Peter's face and he's just like, what the fuck? How did you just do that? Oh, that was precious. So, yeah, I thought that was great. A wonderful way. And it was right at the top of the movie, pretty much. Right. Like we didn't have to wait for it. That was fun right away, which was which, yeah. which was a cool thing. So the movie goes along and we see all the villains show up and they're all kind of coming up with their various multiversal excuses for why they look different or look better or look whatever. Right. One, one thing. So, and I, I might be wrong, but I feel like this, the, the, the young blonde girl that goes to school with Peter and she has her little news channel, Betty Brandt. Was this was the first time they referred to her as Betty Brandt, wasn't it? Like, no, I don't she's think always she, been. Yeah. Yeah. Sure? She had the little show in the beginning of the first. OK. She had the I little don't... like the announcements she did. But yeah, it's right. Betty Brandt, Daily Bugle, who, you know, in the comics was the secretary who got Peter paid uh, at the Daily Bugle. Right. So um, I think apparently also she's going to be an intern. Or, or something like that for the day or no, that's what she was doing. I think in this movie, wasn't she interning for daily bugle for you might be, you might be right. I, Jameson, I think I don't remember, but it makes sense. Yeah. We did always know that it was Betty Brandt though, which was always a cool Easter egg. Um, but yeah, so, uh, you know, and the, and all the villains come and it's everything you think, you know, Dr. Strange, um, kind of a cool twist where, uh, 
he's not the Sorcerer Supreme because he got blipped for five years. So Wong actually got to take over as the Sorcerer yeah. Supreme, which, which is, is a bit of a funny tidbit. It's nice because he's such an egotist. It's nice to see him, you know, right? kind of get yeah. a little ribbon there. So. Well, it's kind of good for him, too, that he has a little bit more time maybe where, you know, Wong yeah. has to keep him in line before he gets to do his thing and becomes the greatest of us all. Um Man, so that was cool to see. And I like that Marvel is so crazy with their trailer edits that it wasn't indeed Scooby-Doo this crap. It was Scooby-Doo this shit. Yeah. Which was nice to hear them actually straighten that out. It's so crazy how a little thing like that can take you out of a movie so much. Right? Modern TV needs to get over itself and realize shit is not the worst word. Right. Such General audiences thing. are going to hear, yeah. you know, Especially anyway, on, on a big Disney platform. Right. Yeah, but so, yes, that was a great moment. So the whole thing happens as it's presented and everybody's thinking and he tries this spell to make everybody forget and Peter screws it up and then they have to contain the spell but a bunch of the villains leaked in and uh, he's got to go around and get them. So he goes around and gets them and Green Goblin shows up, kind of screws him over and that leads to Green Goblin killing Aunt May. Uh, at this point, Aunt May is in, you know, or Peter is in despair and he's he's ran off on his own because Aunt May is dead, doesn't know what to do. Uh, well, Ned and MJ are trying to find him. We discover that, yes, indeed, there must have been magic in Ned's family because he, using Doctor Strange's sling ring, manages to open a portal. And what is on the other side of that portal staring back at us? But it's Spider-Man. Pops on through, takes off the mask. Yes, indeed. Mr. Andrew Garfield, how much cheering came out of your audience? My audience recognized the shape of Spider-Man's right. eyes Me through the too. portal. And that's yeah. when they started screaming. They yeah. were like, oh, yeah. oh, that's not, you know, yeah. that's not Tom Holland. Yeah. That's Andrew Garfield. So, yeah, yeah. people, that my audience reacted the way my audience did when I first saw X-Men in 2000. Oh, nice. That's yeah. how big it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All nerds loved yeah. it. <laughs> totally. At the same thing. Everybody's cheering. And then, uh, and then along comes Toby and oh. Toby Maguire steps through his own portal. And there you go. You've got the two Spider-Men in the same room. And it took a few minutes to like, really even let my eyes adjust. I was like, is this really fucking happening right, right here, right now? And then Toby comes through and he's just dressed in his regular day clothes and Andrew yeah. Garfield saying, so are you like supposed to be dressed as a church youth pastor? Well, that comes a little <laughs> later. This is what tripped me out a bit because Andrew Garfield comes through and he's Spider-Man. Toby comes through and he's in his normal clothes. That's yeah. when my head starts thinking to itself, what, was he too good to put the suit on for Marvel? Is he just too old and past it? Like, I started asking all those questions in my head because I was like, that's kind of lame. Why does he got a Spider-Man suit on, right? right? And then he later mentions about how, what, I was going to walk around town in my spider suit. And I was like, yeah, actually, that kind of makes sense too, right? Mm -hmm. um uh but yeah he makes that nice joke about whether he's a youth pastor or he's brought his suit and he pulls down his collar he's got his suit on and i was so relieved i was like you're not gonna not actually give us three suited spider-men when you've come this far are you like i really wasn't sure for a minute and i was like right. doubting it and i was like if they don't put mcguire in the suit this is all for naught, right i learned something today about it was almost an inside joke so you remember, there's a scene in the movie where all three of the Spider-Men are together, and then you see Tobey Maguire stretching out, stretching his back, 
And then Andrew Garfield is like, you okay? And he goes, yeah, I got this lower back yeah, thing. Yeah. And he goes, oh, don't worry, I'll crack your back. And it's such a funny scene on its own. Yeah. That you can just appreciate it on that level. But, okay, around the time that they were working on the second Spider-Man, so this would have been 2003, Tobey Maguire had hurt his back making the film Seabiscuit, which was a yeah. horse racing movie, yeah. and told Marvel that he wasn't going to be able to do the stunts required of him. You know, it would require more doubles or whatever um, because of these back problems. And Marvel was already giving him like millions of dollars to come back. And they thought he was screwing with them. So Marvel actively uh, was talking to Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes. Yeah. Um, who almost took over, but he was just a bargaining chip. And so, uh yeah so they they came back around everyone shook hands and it worked out just fine and jake gyllenhaal of course comes back years later as mysterio which was wonderful right 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 but anyway anyway that was meant as sort of like you know toby mcguire saying oh i've got back problems that was yeah. mement as <laughs> yeah, al- yeah alluded to that so. you know what's funny about that is i heard that that's the only scene that he actually may have put the suit on for because if you look close, he's not in like spidey shape. And I think part of the reason he didn't have to wear his suit in the beginning is because like he's like, I'll do this, but I really don't want to put six months of my life and into having to get into Spider-Man I'm sure you're shape. Right. I'm sure. So you're right. can I just wear clothes and then you CGI my head on to somebody oh, else later? He could have right? done a green screen bodysuit and just yeah. but I wasn't paying know. attention. But if you apparently if you that the back cracking scene, if you like look close, there's like one scene where you're like, Oh, you can see a little bit of spider gut. Yeah, a little bit of spider gut going on. Uh, but still it was i had no idea how funny the three of them would be together i i mm-hmm. you always figure it's going to be fun it's going to be quippy spider-man it's going to be all this kind of stuff going on but it was outright fucking hilarious to the point where i missed some jokes because of the audience laughing so much yeah. Yeah. like just every little quip back and forth was was brilliant like the the reaction of Holland and uh and Garfield when they were like, wait, your webs just come out of you? Right. That do they do they come out of anywhere else? No, no, just my wrist. So it's just all inside of you, like making itself. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, Do they ever, you know, my heart gets stuck up sometimes? He goes, Well, it happened to me once, but it was more of an emotional thing. <laughs> Oh, that was funny as hell. And, and, oh, God damn it. Garfield, when they're sitting on the bridge waiting and Toby Dumas says, no, you're amazing, man. No, like, really, you're amazing. And he's like, I I really needed to hear that. Uh, (laughs) I think Garfield, you know, because he was always the best Spider-Man. He may not have been everybody's favorite Peter Parker because he was too slick and too cool. But he was hands down the best Spider-Man as far as when it comes to quipping and having fun. He they was were all great for what they did. I right. But that was kind of his thing. You know, he was that McFarlane Spider-Man man in my head. Yeah. You know, that's who he was in my head. And uh, and just you can see now while there's why, why, why there's such a groundswell of support for him getting to finish his trilogy. They're like, now that you've done this, there's no reason not to have an amazing Spider-Man 3. Tony could, to, Sony could just totally make that undo itself onto its own. Yeah, and know. they don't need the MCU to do it. 
Not at all. No, they you know, just, yeah, they got the yeah. rights. Now, just to backpedal this a little bit, like my favorite Andrew or uh, my favorite Tobey Maguire moment as Spider Man ever, not in this movie, but was in Spider Man Two, where he saved everyone on the train, but he is just completely passed out. They're yeah. carrying him along. And they take his mask off, and they're like, "He's just a kid," yeah. and he's just you know he looks like this scared kid, and that's what I loved about his Spider Man was that he was so uh, shy and unassuming and yeah. sympathetic. Very you know innocent, I mean? naive, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he played that to a fault, so. Yeah. He was probably, you know, in that regards, you know, the most Peterish. But they all, like you say, they all had their elements. And the combining yeah. of them all is what was so damn brilliant. And here's the thing. Everybody's talking about, like, oh, they're going to make a cameo. They're going to show up in this movie. They were in this movie for the last third of the movie they weren't a cameo by any no. means they were mm-hmm. a full-on you know and all of them for that matter. characters all three yeah. of them in this bloody movie like it took a while to get there but once it happened they were there for it they were there for the remainder and they were a big part of what was going on you know there were parts when i couldn't tell which spidey was spidey when they're all flipping around and actually oh, fighting yeah. i was yep. like who's doing what here because it's all out of control right well, in so talking about the villains for a second. So Willem Dafoe had said, well, I wasn't going to just do some little quickie cameo and that was it. I like the physicalness. I like the physicality. I like the action. I wanted to do that. So that's why he had such a beefy role. And so did the rest of the villains, really. Alfred Molina's Doc Ock is arguably the greatest of the Raimi villains. Yeah. And um, God. So I wouldn't his, even his, say arguably. I'd say that's a stated fact. Yeah, but Defoe is so. I mean, the only thing Defoe had going against him was that costume, in my opinion. Okay, that this Power is Ranger where. Suit. Yes and no. This is where I kind of, you know, I deter a little bit from popular opinion in that. And I'm not saying it wasn't bad. It didn't bother me. I don't really care. I love Willem Defoe, but it was just so typically over the top that I'm just surprised that people are like calling this like the greatest Marvel villain performance ever. And I just don't feel it because it's so easy to just talk well, like this, Peter. Okay. Like, you know you're, what I mean? You're right. You're like, right. But, but here's the thing. It's like, it's like you have to know the history of all this and know that Willem Dafoe as far back as the eighties was made to be the ultimate comic book villain. He was supposed to be the Joker originally back in 1989, even pre Tim Burton working on it. And then, you know, through all the changing hands, he got screwed out of that. So when they finally gave him Green Goblin, which is easily Marvel's Joker back in uh, 2001, um, greatest casting ever. And then they gave him that goddamn Power Rangers suit. Right, yeah. And covered all that awesomeness up. So, I mean, yes, today in you know 2000 and whatever year this is um every villain is i'm crazy you know everyone's yeah. done that you're right yeah but he was historically he was one of the at least one of the first right. well, makes to sense. do that in a comic book i guess movie. you forget so about how I, how little came before it yeah but did i saw a video the other day of a test for I can't remember which you know? Spider-Man 2 it was, but they did a Green Goblin animatronic makeup test. Have you seen that this? That was going to be in the original Spider-Man. Yes, did you it was, see, it was 
it was insanely cool. Why did it, they not go with that? Like Willem Dafoe's voice coming out of that would have been yeah. way better than just a solid helmet. Like I agree on. completely, and everyone yeah. agrees. And I I I read an updated because I saw that video years and years ago, but I read an updated article that said that it was just the logistics of having that because it was a very expensive animatronic and your maneuverability in that. I mean, it was 2001, True, you know, yeah, so yeah, there were yeah. still some limitations as far as the effects went. So it wasn't easily acted within. Right. Not, not that I think that fucking canoe of a helmet was easy to act <laughs> in, but you get the idea, you know? Yeah. Well, at least in the new one, they kind of, try to get it even little closer they take the mask away but at least they give him a hood and they put some purple in there yes the purple and, and green look great together right and willem dafoe's face is naturally green goblin naturally joker so yeah. it made per- and to me that was the smartest move they ever did saying let's just let willem show his own face yeah. and say he's the green yeah. goblin and a vast improvement on electro's character like, like yes almost a little too far but they explained it just enough and that you know it didn't matter because you kind of like the new guy better anyways right so what's funny to me is so jamie fox had a comment um in the course of the movie you remember he's like hey i'm on my own, on my own self again i don't have that stupid comb over he right. says that yeah and, yeah but the thing is jamie fox the actor designed that comb over he wanted that the <laughs> movies that didn't make up. him the movies didn't make him have that he brought in his own hairdresser did he really yeah, who created that nerd look? I guess this time he was like, "You tell me, I keep my mouth shut. You all tell me what to all do." He, right? all, he, all he told Kevin Feige was that he didn't want to be blue. Yeah, yeah. And Kevin Feige's like, "That's fine. We're paying." For they you. started in blue though. He was they the did. blue electricity, and then he comes and kind of turned yellow, yeah. which is cool. And I, I thought it was a brilliant move to make his old school mask, just electricity in the shape of his old school mask. It, it was yeah. a lot less cheesy than it could have been. Just had that weird lightning yeah. shape. Mask. Because they had to get away with certain things. Like when, when Marco Flint, Marco goes back to being human, he's going to have to have that stupid t-shirt on. Right. That you, did you know, they didn't shoot new stuff for that. That was that, old footage. Oh, did they just use old Flint footage? Marco? Yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, what about research? What did Reese Ethan's? Did they reshoot his last scene there when he's no. all crying, or was that that was uh, reused footage too? Yeah. But they did come in and do their own voice acting for the digital characters. That's good, at least that they got them. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, involved. hey, I think it works well. Again, this way you don't have to put them through six months of physical training, right? You know, or mm-hmm. or or whatnot so it's it's logistically it made a lot of sense and it worked just fine it's nice how everybody's willing right like yeah the big thing would pro was probably toby right like i'm sure they like andrew garfield wasn't a hard get toby mcguire they may have had to talk to a little bit oh my god because i don't think he really likes doing movies much anymore he's done like maybe three movies right? in the last 10 yeah. years maybe but he's, he seemed to be having fun like you can't say he didn't put his all into this, especially oh, at the, I, that was also a beautiful scene when uh, um, Tom Holland's about to kill the Green Goblin at the end with his glider and to- and Toby gets under. That was beautiful. The two of them, the juxtaposition there mm-hmm. and the look on Toby's face, like and no words said. No words needed. That was very, very touching. Every you know? character, really, villain and hero, had their moment of redemption in that movie. If you think about it. Yeah, yeah. You know, because 
Tom Holland's character could have become this vengeful. I mean, he was ready to kill the Green Goblin, right? But it wasn't just because he still could have killed him after he stabbed uh, Tobey Maguire. Right, right. But he didn't. And he got that self-control. So that was his art. That was shocking because I was like, did they just kill a Spider-Man? And he I was up, like, don't do he it. Don't up, do I love that he gets up. He's like, I'm stabbed for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right. That was great. That was, yeah, was going to be heavy. I didn't, I wasn't going to like that if they had killed off. Tony no, Maguire. I'm like, you get a one, you get one kill per movie. That's <laughs> and Aunt May is more than enough. Yeah, man. that was too yeah. much. So just knock it off. So then we have to go through the, uh, the sadness at the end of Peter deciding not to let them know that he is Peter, that he's Spider-Man again. And tough. it's cool how uh, as much as this had so many moments of closure in this movie for so many characters in a way, it also brought it right back around to, you know, square one where Peter's got to start right from start, right from scratch. He doesn't even have an Aunt May. It's just him in his apartment and that's it. And, you know, let's, let's see how you do now, kid. So that's going to be very interesting to see how that kind of mm-hmm. develops. Cause you know, he's not going to be able to be an Avenger in any way anymore. Because, you know, yeah, are there no. even Avengers right now? This is what I'm trying to figure out. Are there, a, is there a team or anything at this point? Or is it, they're yes. just gone? No, they're not gone. Because there's no compound, right? The compound was destroyed in, in Endgame. Yeah. And, you know, Nick Fury's off planet. I don't think there's an Avengers right now. I think you're right. But... I'm not sure. There's more informed people than me that right. can. Like they're say working that, towards but... like shield still functioning. Yeah. Um, or at least as sword or whatever the hell they're doing it. You know that they're putting together a Thunderbolts esque team somehow. Well, yeah, like because Louis Dreyfus and all that yes. kind of stuff. So which so, will kind of become a young Avengers. Eventually. I, I think that's going to be like a thing unto itself. You know what I mean? Because I see Elena becoming a Thunderbolt, but I see uh, Kate Bishop becoming a new Avenger. Right. Yeah. Well, and then we've got some more characters coming in pretty, pretty fast, hot and fast. This new She-Hulk series is going to be a game changer. Right. That too. Right. Which also involves. Uh, yeah. Involves you know, Mark Ruffalo. So, yeah, I think it'll be a while before they even have to deal with Avengers. Right. Like they're not going to have to, but they're going to have plenty of reserve characters to put in there. Not to mention. And I said this earlier, the next Marvel TV series will be Ms. Marvel with Kamala Khan. Right. 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 So which has all of them in it, I think. I guess so, yeah. Um, or is it the next Miss Marvel movie? The, the, or, the, next, no, the Captain next Captain Marvel, Marvel movie. has all yes, of the Marvels. Has all in three it. Yeah, Captain Marvels, right. basically. So right. Um, which is awesome. That's we'll be see fun how too. that that connects things together. But another interesting thing about this movie at the very end uh, is it gives us a, a very very long. I don't even want to call it a end credit scene. It's basically a trailer for Doctor Strange in yep. the Multiverse of Madness, yep. which brings the What If show into canon. Yeah. By introducing the evil sorcerer supreme at the end. Mm-hmm. So this is just great. It's such it's such beautiful, you know, mosaic of storytelling. Mm-hmm. And uh it's I like right now that it's not super building to something. I thought that all the stuff that went down in this Spider-Man movie would have to connect to Quantum Mania and then would have to connect to Multiverse of Madness. But I'm not, I'm now starting because of the whole King thing too, right? Right. I'm starting to see now that it's not going to be, I think, like where, you know, the first 10 years added up to this big Thanos thing. 
And this may end up like building up to a Kang thing, but I don't think everything will always be pointing in that direction. Well, I'll say this much. And you're right. You're right, because it really does give a, a, a clean slate to the Spider-Man movies, because they said there is going to be a fourth one. Right. I think However, we're going to have a lot more time frames, like a lot more like storylines branching right. off than we did before. Yeah. However, and I'll tell you this, um, it hasn't been made official yet, but I am pretty confident that Tom Holland's going to show up in Multiverse of Madness. Probably. It makes sense. And so I think there is an opportunity there. Except remember, Doctor Strange doesn't know who he is. That's right. right. That's right. But I think he's going to show up in the movie, and I think there is going to be some ramifications there. Makes sense. It, you know, you know or he'll have his just, back or something like that. Yeah, it's a prediction, yeah. but, you know. I'm thinking the, the Watcher. I'm thinking it might be the first place we see the Watcher in live action. Which would be nice, you, you know, know? And, and I like hope he might be involved in there somewhere. That would be cool. I mean, they kind of showed Watcher in the second the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, if you remember. Oh, when they're sitting around talking with Stan Lee? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which yeah. I'm sure Marvel's kind of kicking themselves letting that happen. They're like, now it's going to be too cheesy if we try to introduce Watcher for real. Oh, they've gotten brilliant at ignoring old shit and just glazing over. You know what I mean? They're even no, getting to the have. point where they don't even care about characters having played other characters before, right? No. You know? No, but, like, I mean, um, Cottonmouth is all of a sudden becoming uh, Blade, right? Is that right? <laughs> Well, Mahersha, Mahersha Ali. Was he in, what was he He was in, in Luke Cage. He was, uh, I remember? never saw Luke Cage. Oh, you didn't? He was the main I bad never... guy in Luke Cage, and now he's going to be Blade. See, so, I didn't know that, because I never got around. Cause oh, he I was got, real good, too. I watched Daredevil, and I watched um, Jessica Jones repeatedly. Man, he, that's my favorite Marvel villain yet, is the Purple Man. Oh, he was incredible. David Tennant just killed that role that was that was evil shit mm-hmm. like that was the shit that was, he was making real world do, yeah, yeah real world evil fucking shit to think about that if someone really had this power this is the kind of consequence that you know it would really be it wouldn't be just some you know mustache twirling bad guy who was using yeah. it to rob banks he'd be fucking with people's shit on a, on a deeply disturbing psychological level. And, and given how much people's lives are fucked with on a daily basis, it was so relatable. Right? You know? Fuck. So good. So anyways, this movie was everything. It was, Yeah, it, it, it surpassed the hype. It lived up to the hype. It brought more hype. It's so hyped. It's so much fun. Um, I don't know if I agree that it's the greatest comic book movie ever, as a lot of people are saying. I, I won't def- hear that argument anymore anyway. No, it doesn't make sense. You no. can't compare a lot of movies. But you know what I, mean, I, I may say? That this is the most fun comic book movie I, I may have ever seen. I would say it's the seen. most fun Spider-Man movie, if not the best Spider-Man movie. I don't think I've smiled this much through any comic book movie I ever saw. Just for And I don't mean out of joy. I, I mean out of like actual entertainment. Sure. You know, like and it I, was, yeah, it was funny, man. <laughs> like There was so much greatness oh, to it. Yeah. So many great moments to it. Um, Think about how much stuff we've just talked about and we haven't even touched on like how amazing the action actually was. And, you know, yeah. the, you know, bringing all that stuff together. Like, well, and yeah, the secondary characters were great. I mean, mm-hmm. Peter's best friends, you know, Ned and MJ were fantastic and, you know, it's there's there's too much to talk about for one show. I'll tell you. I mean, you could dip into the minutia so easily. 
Oh, right. Yeah. You could do a whole series on it, but I think we covered things pretty well for it. Um, considering all that time, uh, enjoying the Hawkeye as well. Um, I'd like to get your thoughts. I'm sure you've probably seen this, but there was a huge announcement made today about the Batgirl movie. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Michael Keaton will in fact be reprising his role as Batman in the Batgirl movie, as well as flashpoint, which just opens up so many questions for me. Um, Cause I know he's having a great time and I've seen yeah. him say it like Michael Keaton's having a fantastic time. He's riding, he's walking both worlds and he knows it and he doesn't give a flying fuck and he's just having a blast doing it. And uh, you know, it's cool that he came back for flashpoint, but I thought that would almost be a way to like close off Batman in a way or something, but it sounds like, I don't know how they're going to work this man because he's, are we going to, is Flash, I, I have a theory that by the end of this Flash movie, Flash no longer exists in the Justice League Snyderverse that we're used to. Mm-hmm. Because they're trying to get away from it, right? So if Batman's yeah. going to be in both these movies, that means, you know, he obviously, he goes to Batman's world, and which means Batman's world is probably going to be the one where Batgirl takes place in. Probably. Right. And Ben Affleck is in the movie in Flashpoint as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the Flashpoint of this will, because remember in Flashpoint, the story, Barry Allen saves his mother from being killed, which changes everything. And then he's got to fix it all. Right. But even when he's done fixing it all, not everything is quite right. That's what led to the new 52. How everything was back to how it was, but not quite the same. And I feel like that's maybe what they're going to do with this flashpoint is they're going to bring it all together where it's this one world, but everything's not quite the same as it was, you know, because he is old. He's not going to be play, able to play Batman forever. Right. Like, no, he's Michael Keaton's in his late sixties at least. Right. So does it mean that they are going to find another Batman for that universe or somehow bring in the Patton universe, so, Pattinson universe? Who knows? This opens this is too many I questions think. for me. Just to, yeah, I know we're wrapping this up here, but um, I know that DC is kind of trying to get away from the shared universe thing because as the Joaquin Phoenix Joker has shown and this upcoming The Batman movie that's coming out, they want to focus more on on standalone characters and movies that aren't interconnected. So honestly, I think Flashpoint might address some of that stuff and help close the door on, on some of it. That's but, yeah. That's um, what I'm I, I think you're going to see a lot less shared universe stuff with DC. Yeah, it's kind of leaning that way. It's starting to feel like they want to clean things up a little bit, you know. And that's great because this, and maybe for a future show, if you want, we can discuss this new Batman movie because oh, we're going to be talking a lot about this new. There's Batman stuff to movie. yeah. I'm, I I'm, cannot wait. I'm excited, <laughs> and I don't get excited about Batman movies. So, dude, we got a nice string coming up because as of next week, the ball keeps rolling with the book of Boba Fett. Oh God, am I excited for that? Jeez. Right, and and uh, Batman is only in March, man. It's not yeah, that that's far not away. Far. We've only no. got those months will fly by, and by yeah. the end of the, we'll be able to finish off our winter uh, with the Batman. And in between, I, uh, I'm sure there's other stuff coming, but uh, it's thrilling. It's actually a really good time for entertainment. It um, is, you know, and now uh, that we've gotten through. Well, I don't want to say we've gotten through COVID, but we've gotten to the point where things can be filmed again. 
yeah, it's a strange time. I think we're in a serious shift right now. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the world realizing that no matter what side you're on, there's a new normal we got to get used to. Mm-hmm. And uh, people are starting to shift from not looking at case counts, but just simply are people dying or not from this? Because if they're not, we just got to keep living and get used to it. Yet lots of places are going into lockdowns and other places aren't. And it's just it's still such a mess. We have to find a way for both sides to find a way to like live, you know, harmoniously mm-hmm. somehow, because we're all going to go crack crazy if we can't figure something out here. Right. Like. Yeah. Well, on a personal level with each of us, I think we are coming to grips and finding ways to get through it that we didn't have a year ago. Absolutely. Yeah. So the disease hasn't gone anywhere, but our ability to contend with it socially has evolved. And I think that's hopeful. Yes. I think that's very hopeful. You know, I was in a, in a hole for a while that, uh, it, not until I stuck my head out of it did I realize how much there was to see and people actually peering themselves down into the hole. So, uh, you know, doing that has led to a lot of fresh perspective, uh, being a lot more social and reaching out to people, you know, um, to anybody who's heard the past few episodes, it's been a lot of introspective moments, um, but it's been good because, uh, you know, I've been stepping forward and it makes things a lot clearer when you actually look outside of your own head because there's a whole other world going on there. You got to remember that your thoughts aren't facts. That's something I try to remember. You know, whatever thoughts are going in, on inside your head, those are your thoughts and they're not the facts. Sometimes you got to stand back, you got to look at the facts of a situation and act appropriately. And that's kind of what I've done is I've accepted, okay, you know what? I don't get to travel around anymore and you know, do what I did. I've got to find joy and peace in doing other things. So it's been, uh, which is cool because it makes me look more inward as far, as far as my friends and my family and, you know, where I live and, you know, nature and all these things that are very important. And, you know, I'm, I'm having to learn to appreciate them more That's um, good. because, well, you know, it's, it's all we got really to a certain extent now, you know what I mean? I have to accept mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, there's a few friends that I'm sure, you know, if things are okay, I'll be lucky enough to see because like you pop up here once in a while. And uh, but, you know, other than that, like, dude, I don't see me setting foot in America for years. And just for the hassle of it, not that I'm like afraid. No, but, you're right. I mean, just the hassle of going across the border is, yeah. you know, especially right now when they've tightened things up more, we're not even the rapid tests are good enough. You have to, well, get, you know, like, yeah. Right now, it's you know? a, it's a moot point, and it no costs. One's... You were telling me, and other people, me. I mean, you got to pay like two hundred bucks before and after you go for sometimes. Like, it's... I know I got. I didn't have to. I don't know what our friend did, Zach, but yeah, he got. He paid four hundred. I heard someone else too. Account. I was talking. Was I talking to the other day? Oh, at the, uh, I was at the raid studio the other night, and uh, it might have been Ramon. Um, I think Ramon Perez had gone to do a show somewhere forgive me if it's not i don't want to say it was ramon if it wasn't ramon because i don't want to be putting words in people's mouths but i was talking to somebody who had just returned from a show somewhere and uh yeah they had to pay 200 bucks for a test before they went and then 200 bucks to test to get back and it's like 400 dollars, you know and then it's not all the money in the world but that's that's just 
it's, maybe it's different for Canadian nationals. Well, I've heard is. different things is what I'm not, you know, was what is confusing. Some people seem to be getting away with doing nothing. And then the, the restrictions get tight. I don't know. So I'm saying it's just a mess. We have to come to some sort of unified idea of yeah. this is how we live in the world now. Like, cause you know, even we're disconjointed. We're, we're shut down a lot here still. We've got a lot of restrictions where America's just like, woohoo, let's live. And you know, mm-hmm. there's nothing in the way of anything hardly going on. And, 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 you know, I know the Omicron, you know, the variant traveling the universe that shall infect all is really going to probably infect everyone in the States. Like it's, it's scary, you know, mm-hmm. um, we're here, it's, it's moving fast, but not like, you know, we're trying to, to quell it. We're not just letting wildfire. Well, burn, right? No, we over here, we actively try to catch it. You know, we're, it's basically a big game of chicken. <laughs> It's like humans running headlong at a disease saying, you're going to turn away. <laughs> nope. Oh, so I've just accepted that I'm stuck in my beautiful little country here. And I'm very, very, very lucky to yeah, have the are. friends that I have and to and you the know, country you have and the country and the facility and my family and the fact that we have stayed healthy and everybody has stayed well. Um, and I just got to appreciate the little things more and uh, find new, wonderful, creative things to do, or at least go back to ones that I used to love and do them in a more, you know, loving way like this. So I think you need to crochet. <laughs> I used to when I was younger. I, I used to do a lot of those silly things. I My grandmother taught me to crochet and she taught me to knit. I also used to be really big into origami. I would fold paper for hours. I had to Dude, buy all these books and learn how to fold all this fucking shit. If I could crochet, <laughs> I would make Afghans like a motherfucker. So <laughs> I think that's a great skill. Ah, uh, fantastic. You got anything you want to tell the people about that you're doing or anything coming? Or uh, you can't talk about a lot of what you're doing. I know a I'm, lot of I'm it's... working on a new series for Disney publishing, and that's all I can say about that. And Ooh. I am still working on my creator on book, Bodie Troll. And as of very recently, I am intending for it to be kickstarted. Um, don't have a date for that yet, but everything is in the works. That's going to be an insane Kickstarter party for that. Hope so. Hope I'm, so. I'm, I'm saying right now, I'm saying, I'm calling it. I'm, what am I going to say? I'm going to say 26 hours. If you put a well, Bodhi Troll Kickstarter, I'm going to say funded in 26 hours. Well, mark it That's down my highly you, optimistic. So you can be right. <laughs> I need all the optimism shot. I can get. Right? So, oh, yeah. no, you don't. Everybody is loves Bodhi. They miss Bodhi. They've well, been waiting for Bodhi yeah. forever. Everyone who's not a publisher loves both. Right. <laughs> oh, thank goodness for Disney. Yeah, that's the truth. <laughs> right? Good old Donald Duck. Thanks, Walt. <laughs> you should do uh, a Bodie just uh like greasing like uh Donald's feathers or something. <laughs> yeah, <I guess. laughs> that's, that's exactly a giving Donald a massage. Uh, but if you kids want to check out Jay Fosgett and all of his wonderful art, he's everywhere as Jay or JP Fosgett and check out the TikToks. Um, not just for Jay, but uh, for, you know, for everybody. I'm on there and elegant. Actually, I've got two TikTok accounts. I've got an elegant weapon, and I've got uh, Arbor One Kenobi, where I put lots of fun uh, tree I'll have shit. To follow your other one then, because I only knew about Arbor One. 
Yeah, well, I just started the elegant um, weapon. There's only like three or four videos on there. And it's, uh, you know, I haven't got too into that one yet. The main reason I started that one is because I I wanted to peg the name down. I didn't want somebody to steal down that name. And uh, I already had a few uh, videos that I had made with my Padawan on the Arbor One Kenobi. And I kind of wanted to keep that shit separate, especially with the algorithms work. They're so confusing. So I want to keep my tree account to pure tree stuff and then the other one will be all the fun stuff on an elegant weapon so uh me and the padawan are up there lots of cool stuff but uh check out jay and all his uh amazing stuff jay thank you so much for hanging out and thanks for having me as talking always. some comic stuff we will have you back again very very soon um yeah everybody uh like i say just uh, stay vigilant. um this is the last show uh before christmas so merry christmas happy christmas to all of you people out there jay if we all stay vigilant we'll be the vigilant people (laughs) oh jay it's good to have you back (laughs) but everybody seriously have a great christmas season be smart be safe um do the right things and uh we will see you all next time that's all we're gonna have this week on an elegant weapon. Back at Ace.